Uh, Jones always maintained that he never engaged engaged in homosexual relations. Oh, okay. Except oh. in <laughs> cases... There's an except in there. Except in cases where men of his congregation what? needed to have sex with him no. in order to connect with his message symbolically. No! That's a terrible reason to have sex with somebody. Wow. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> well, and how does that help? Honestly, how does that help? Uh, well, I could think of a few ways. No, let's not, let's not dive into that. <laughs> Welcome to We Talk About Dead People, a podcast where we pick two dead people and talk about their lives. I'm your host, Aaron C., and I'm here with my good friend and co-host, James D. Say hi, James. The end is near! <laughs> oh, God, I wish. We hope to keep our listeners entertained and interested while we break down these characters from the odd and exciting family that is humanity. The way this works is that James and I will do our amateurish best to give a basic account of the major events in these people's lives and how they responded to them. We also hope to give a fairly accurate depiction of their individual character, which is harder to do, but we're going to try anyway. So, James, who do we have this week? Cult Leaders! Beautiful. <laughs> I've been waiting for this moment with the same anticipation I've had, waiting for the second coming of Christ. Ugh, I'm glad you're so enthused. Enthused. Enthused, that's a weird word. <sighs> hey, let's go down to the history lab and get started, eh? Are you, uh, Canadian now? Uh, that's, it's, it's on the script. It's, oh, okay. Wow. Let's go. <laughs> Alright. <laughs> Two cults, one passion, leading their flock to pure water to cleanse them of their sins. Jim Jones and David Koresh are notorious for their zeal and passion for truth. One, a communist preacher with a penchant for flavorade. The other, the second coming of Christ and songwriter. Now, these two titans of cultic activity go head-to-head -head in a battle of ultimate faith. Ah, it smells like weed down here, James. It does. Hmm. Think, uh, think Pickles was down here? Yeah, I think so. Probably. What a bastard. Yeah. I didn't even have the courtesy to pick up his joint. Look at this shit. I, he leaves them everywhere. I found them under the bed, in asshole. the closet, that stupid fucking... Didn't have the courtesy to flush him down the toilet or anything. Nope. Oh, God. Well, computer, bring up Jim Jones and David Koresh. Affirmative, my lord. So, James, why don't you give us a idea of what Jim Jones looks like? Yeah, let's take a look at this man. Well, <laughs> Jim Jones... <laughs> Yes, let us take a look at this man. <laughs> well, let's do it. Uh, Jim Jones is a well-dressed man. He wears wonderful glasses, Good. has combed, sleek black hair, mm. and a smile that could melt the ice caps. Oh. But that's no joke, kids. We need the ice caps. We need the ice caps. They are important. They are important. And if they melt, we're all going to drown. Speaking of drowning, let's look at <laughs> David Koresh's physical appearance. Well, I'll tell you what he looks like. Okay. Bored Jesus. Sleepy Jesus. Oh, that's it. That's it. <laughs> well, what kind of Jesus are we talking? Black oh, Jesus, white Jesus, the white right Jesus. <laughs> you know which one I'm talking all right, about. All right, so uh, white sleepy Jesus, white sleepy Jesus. So, mm, with all of that, uh, let's real quick not take a break because oh, okay. well, I don't believe me. I don't believe in quitting. Wow. Um, anything, which is why I'm an alcoholic and addicted to cigarettes. 
Yeah, that's, yeah for me. that is true. Audience. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also addicted to sadness. Mm-hmm. Hey, speaking of sadness, yeah. let's talk about Jim Jones's early life. All right, let's take it away, it. Jim. <laughs> hey, okay, Jim Jones, whose actual name was James Warren Jones, was born in 1931 in Crete, Indiana. And I guess you could call him <laughs> Indiana Jones. Go <laughs> <laughs> oh, fucking no! You know what? I'm gonna do it for you. He was born to the quintessential 1930s American parents. His father was a World War One vet and also fervently supported the KKK. Oh my god! <laughs> and his mother believed that she had given birth to the Messiah. Well, she's wrong because that's David Koresh. Oh. Spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe there are a few messiahs, you know. Oh, that, know. that could be true. But well, it's, yeah. Well, whatever the case, we're off to a good start. <laughs> That's not a good start. <laughs> uh, now, little Jimmy was sort of a social outcast growing up. He didn't play well with the other kids because he was apparently obsessed with religion and death. Oh, so just like me as a kid. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I yeah, guess. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't know me. It was a different time. Well, it's true. <laughs> uh, well, did you do this? Because uh, Jones reportedly held funerals for little animals and pets. I had a funeral for a snail. Well, that's <laughs> that's a different kind of sad. <laughs> uh, well, enough about you. Getting back to Jones. <laughs> Jones was also a fervent reader and was particularly interested in the works of Karl Marx, Good. Mao Zedong, uh, Mahatma Gandhi, okay, that's Joseph Stalin, oh. and Adolf Hitler. Well, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, he didn't necessarily admire each of these men. He just enjoyed noting the strengths and weaknesses of each author. Yeah, that's what they all say. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I read a uh, I read Mein Kampf for the for the literature. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, however, unlike his father, Jones was not a racist. Oh. Even as a kid, he was disgusted with racism and was especially interested in the plight of African Americans because he resonated with the idea of being thrown out by society. Wow. This poor kid. Yeah, wow. I mean, you kind of got to wonder how he developed that sort of feeling, especially. Yeah. Well, I guess maybe Hmm. in rebellion he would go against his father. Well, it it only got harder for him. Uh, His parents divorced, Mm. and Jones moved with his mother to Richmond, Indiana. Uh, So still not out of Indiana. Uh, No, still there. (laughs) Uh, But he started to to do pretty well for himself. Uh, He graduated high school, and then he married a woman named Marceline Baldwin when he was 18 years old. Ah, married uh, a Baldwin. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he then went to college and graduated in 1951 from Butler University, where he got a degree in secondary education. Well, yeah. So I mean, he's doing pretty well so far. Yeah. I uh, mean, it's a from from humble beginnings, you might say. Well, he's certainly not the Messiah yet, but <laughs> not yet. yet though. <laughs> We're getting there. We're getting there. <laughs> All right, All let's right. talk about David Koresh. Ah, well, we'll, we? just, we'll just jump right on over to David Koresh's early life. And All I right. wrote more than you, so well, no, actually I didn't. You're an overachiever. Koresh was born in 1959 in Houston. Hmm. His mother was 14. His father was 19. Wait, wait his mother was 14? <laughs> oh my gosh. I know, great start, right? Uh, sure. Well, that's almost <laughs> as bad as Elizabeth Bathory. <laughs> uh, no, don't say her name. Okay, I don't want to think about okay, that. Okay, okay. Anyway, so his real dad, though, you know, being 19, just straight up abandoned Koresh and his oh, mother geez. for another teenager. Oh. So there's that. Oh, uh, so yeah, Koresh never met his father, which is sort of sad. Yeah. Maybe, I guess, maybe not. I don't know. He sounded kind of like a bastard, but oh. uh, hmm. his mother quickly found another man uh, who was a violent alcoholic and lived with him a while with little David in tow. 
Wait, so she's married to a violent alcoholic. <laughs> Is this story about you? Oh, Aaron? now that's a low blow, James. Well, come on, Jim. Get a job. Huh. Get a job, Jim. All right, go on. <laughs> <laughs> it only lasted for about four years, though, uh, before Koresh's mother had had enough. At this time, Koresh's mother handed little Davy over to her mother for about three years after she found another man and had a son with him. Oh, she's <laughs> getting around. I know, she's doing just fine huh. in the mom department, uh, except for, you know, leaving her kid with her. Yeah, never mind, that's I, fine, I, I, that's it fine. It wouldn't be the mom department. No. <laughs> Different department. Uh, 1966. Koresh had a very lonely childhood because of all of this. Oh, sure. Uh, and there's actually an allegation that he was once gang-raped by some Holy older boys shit. when he was eight. I know. Um, you just went from being lonely to being gang-raped. Like, that is... Wow. Yeah, I know. Um, and he also had dyslexia and was not great in school. Um, hmm. And honestly, who can blame him? Right. There's some serious some crap good through at a young age, you know? Wow. Um, but he was, even, he was even put in special ed. Uh, but he dropped out junior year. And again, who can blame him? Yeah, right. <laughs> be Holy gone. Crap. Yeah. Um, wow. But at 22, Koresh followed in his father's footsteps oh, no. and impregnated a 15-year-old. Ah. Uh, so it was very shortly after this, uh, though, that he found Jesus Good. in a Southern Baptist church and then did what you do right after finding Jesus in a uh, Southern Baptist church. That is, you join the Seventh-day Adventists. Oh. <laughs> and the first church you went to, he fell in love with the pastor's daughter. What? So, and he was so madly in love with her that he, he started praying for guidance. Uh, and he claims that after praying, he opened his eyes and found the Bible open to Isaiah 34, 16. Hmm. Uh, which says that, None should want for mate. <laughs> so Koresh, wanting for mate, uh. cornered the pastor. <laughs> no, he cornered the pastor and told him uh. that God had given him a revelation that his daughter was being ah. given to him in marriage. Well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, that's that's pretty low, but it could have been a lot worse. It he could have, have uh, seen the Bible open to the passages that were, you know, kill all the Amalekites, or <laughs> kill all the witches, or things like that. Mr. So. Pastor, are you an Amalekite? I'm afraid I have to kill you. <laughs> and marry your daughter. <laughs> the good word says so. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so this pastor threw him out. Uh, he was just so pissed off that you know, uh, right. well, David had this prophecy. <laughs> yeah. um, but David persisted. Ba David persisted through it all. Uh, for God continued to give him revelations oh. about this girl. Uh. Yeah. Eventually he was expelled from the congregation. Uh, and then he did what no one should ever, ever do. No. Yeah, he did it, James. No. He went to Waco, Texas. Oh, my God. No. It's bad. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> So, the biggest mistake he's made so far. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. Uh, Wacoans, I hate your town. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, so... Uh, just going straight for You know what? I don't here. even want you listening to my podcast. Just oh. fuck you all. <laughs> wow. I don't even know what to say. That was just, just cut it. Cut it. Feel it so twinkle in your eye. Lend your ear to something worthwhile listening to. Just remember frowning was never meant for you. Pucker up and whistle over day. And we are back. Two, we talk about dead people. And when we left off, we had finished talking about David Koresh's childhood. And now... And I just got to interrupt you here. Uh, it is fucking hot in yeah, here. Yeah, it is really hot. I am... We gotta find a better place. Well, this I, is just... You know, I gotta get out of here. I, I gotta finish recording here because I gotta go... Uh, you gotta do what? I have a job. What? No, 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 no. What is your job? 
Uh, I have to go build a rabbit colony. Ah, <laughs> a rabbit colony. Uh, I'm gonna name it Jonestown. <laughs> That's awful. That's really awful. Uh, why am wow. I building a rabbit colony? You ask. Because bunnies are cute. That's they are it. cute. Yeah. Wow. All right. So if you don't own a bunny, uh, go buy a pet bunny. Yes, do it right now. We endorse that. We endorse bunnies. We love bunnies. Playboy bunnies. Speaking of bunnies. That was too easy. <laughs> uh, yes. Why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, Jim Jones's adult life, James? All right. So, uh, Jones becomes a communist. How? <laughs> <laughs> he just does. Okay. Uh, yeah. Um, but, unfortunately, he chose a rather ill-advised... Ill-advised? Ill-advised time to become a communist in America. Okay, and let me ask, why is it an ill-advised time to become a communist? The year 1951. That's it. There you go. The Cold War has begun, the Korean War is raging, and McCarthyism is rampant. Yep. Unsurprisingly, Jones quickly becomes harassed by the FBI, McCarthyism supporters, and patriotic capitalist Americans. Those capitalist pigs. However, oh. this only makes Jones a stronger believer in communism. Well, that's just how that goes, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Mm -hmm. uh, but Jones is not content with keeping the gospel of Marx to himself. <laughs> gospel of <laughs> Marx? He must spread the good news. Oh, yes. Looking back at this time, Jones later stated, So on down the road, I decided, how can I demonstrate my Marxism? The thought was, infiltrate the church. Oh I consciously made a decision to look into that prospect. Now that's just evil right there, yeah, everybody. That's, e that's evil communism at work. Doesn't bode well. Mm -mm. No, sir. We do not condone evil communism. We don't. Hey, have you podcast. ever heard of the Christian communists? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I didn't know that was a thing, but... It, it, for anybody listening, they have like a hammer and sickle over top of a cross. Is that right? That's the yeah, symbol? Yeah, it's a pretty cool logo, so actually. Yeah. Um... Well, anyway, <laughs> anyway, back to Jones. Yes. As luck would have it, or as God would have it, mm -hmm. a Methodist superintendent asked Jones to start a church with him. Uh, Jones agreed right away, and soon thereafter became a student pastor at Somerset Southside Methodist Church. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I just finished reading this this book that was based on the movie Spotlight. Okay. Uh, and everybody knows the movie Spotlight is about priests molesting children. And right. Somerset Southside Methodist Church just sounds like a place where that would go on. I wouldn't send my kids there. Somerset Southside, yeah. Don't send your kids there. <laughs> <laughs> How long was he there? Uh, he didn't stay here long. Uh, the congregation was too white for him, <laughs> and he was discouraged by the lack of racial integration. <laughs> too white for him? I so, mean, like, too much Starbucks and Hummers? I mean, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Um, uh, so, what did he do? Well, he did the only thing that was plausible at this time. Oh, he no. He joined a Seventh-day Adventist church. Oh! And not just oh. a regular one. This one had faith healing services. Oh. <laughs> And he went to such faith healing services. <laughs> uh, oh my god. Uh, and he was amazed by how much money and resources people were willing to give in return for healing. It is amazing. It, it, it really, really is. is amazing. Though there was this one time uh, in school when I, um, a friend of mine discovered that there was a guy selling holy water that like he blessed but it was you could get a little bottle for free. Huh. And so we sent in. We wanted a little bottle of right. holy water. And we never got it, which was super sad. Because I was going to drink it. Because you're a heathen <laughs> bastard. I know. Uh, yeah, that's why I didn't get it. I'm a heathen bastard. Yeah. Mm. 
But anyway, so he he saw that they were like making a lot of money. Yeah, and this gave him an idea. Okay. Uh, this communist needed money. As most communists do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but in order to get money, Jones needed people. Uh, so he organized a massive Christian convention and invited Reverend William B. Branham, who B. was a Branham? It says M. Branham. What did I say? You said William B. Branham. Well, there's 26 letters Cut. in the alphabet. You can get confused. <laughs> Yes, William N. Branham, uh, who was a well-known healing evangelist and author to draw in the crowd. Mm. Uh, the convention was a huge success, and Jones was able to gather enough people here to join his new church. Oh, that's good for Jones. Well, yes. Uh, he does need to work on his naming, though. Oh. He called this church the People's Temple Church Full Gospel. <laughs> Fuck? Which is a mouthful. Why would you name it that? And a huge sign must have been needed. Oh my gosh. Uh, you know, full gospel. I'd like to put that after my last name. <laughs> Aaron C. Full gospel. Full gospel. <laughs> <laughs> I almost said my real name on the air. That was that would be bad. That would be bad. <laughs> uh, they'll probably figure it out anyway. I mean, come on. <laughs> well, yeah. There's, That's hmm. not a challenge, everybody. Uh, we're cutting this part. <laughs> uh, yeah, we are. <laughs> uh, now, he did have an odd name for his church, but they had a pretty cool mission. Uh, their mission was interracial justice and integration. Okay. Not bad. Not at all. No. Uh, but as you can imagine, being a Marxist for racial justice in the 1950s and 60s mm -hmm. in Indiana mm -hmm. was about as popular as being a French monarch in Paris during the French Revolution. Yep. I bet it was. <laughs> uh, but this did not stop Jones, of course. Uh, oh. He worked around the clock to begin racial integration in churches, restaurants, companies, theaters, amusement parks, hospitals, and the police force. Wait, wait how do you do... Amusement parks? That seems like a weird target. I, I, I guess. Know. Yeah. yeah. Put more. Put more. Uh, put more minorities on this ride. Put more minorities on that ride. Well, maybe they just didn't have any minorities. I don't know. Oh well. How did he find them in Indiana? <laughs> I don't know. Okay. So what was he doing besides putting people on roller coasters? <laughs> uh, well, he was just also uh, helping the local African-American community. When swastikas were painted on the homes of two African-American families, Jones personally calmed the local black families and talked with the white families in order to prevent white flight. Oh. Uh, which was exactly what it sounds like. White people flying around. I could just flap my wings right now. Like a off. pterodactyl. Uh, it was the 50s. White people were flying. What do you think? Well, uh, <laughs> something like that. Uh, uh, white flight is actually the phenomenon in which white people move out of a neighborhood uh, when too many minorities move into that neighborhood. Uh, beautiful. Yep. That's well, not beautiful. No, it's not beautiful. I meant the opposite. <laughs> right, <laughs> sarcastically beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, so after collapsing from a physical condition in 1961, Jones woke up in the black section of a local hospital. Interesting. After refusing to be moved to the white section, Jones got up and made the beds for and changed the bedpans of the black patients. This guy's like a saint. I know. And look, listen to this. Soon thereafter, the hospital abolished its racial segregation rules, wow. largely because of him. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, and it gets better. Jones and his wife were also the first white family in Indiana to adopt a black child. Oh, wow. In 1961. <laughs> Come on, Indiana. Jeez. You know, uh, Indiana, dude. Okay, so I, I told, I know I told you this before, but they got to hear this. There's a town in Indiana called Floyd's Knob. Oh. <laughs> 
and people live there. Oh. And I didn't, I, you know, I thought it sounded kind of suggestive when I first heard it. Um, but I didn't realize that knob is actually slang around, you know, in other parts of the world for dick. So you got a town in Indiana named after Floyd's dick, which to me wow. seems kind of weird. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh. But also I'd like to live there. <laughs> Ooh, okay, well that's that's a different discussion uh, for a different time. Yeah, so ha- how about we get off of Floyd's knob and move on to something else? Oh uh, yeah, speaking of Floyd's knob. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, because of his crusades for racial justice... Jones quickly garnered support from racial minorities and certain political leaders. In 1960, Indianapolis Mayor Charles Boswell appointed Jones to be director of the Human Rights Commission. Jones accepted and blatantly ignored requests to keep a low profile. Oh. Uh, He joined local radio and TV programs to preach his message. Uh, Enjoying the limelight a little bit there, Jones. There he goes, yeah. Uh, meanwhile, he kept leading his temple church and continued to fight against racism. Good! <laughs> he did such things as organize stings against local restaurants that only served whites. Oh. And release private letters of American Nazi leaders to the media. Wow. <laughs> this guy's a... He's yeah, a so far, he's I'm a real totally go-getter. Board. Wow. Um, good for him. But as expected, I mean, we are in Indiana, Jones received a ton of criticism from the local white population. Oh, Indiana, come on now. It's the 1960s. All right. Uh, in one instance, a swastika was painted on Jones's temple, and at another time, a stick of dynamite was left oh, at the temple Christ. as a threat. <laughs> was it lit? Uh, I don't think so, but who knows? Was it like on a hot dog bun? <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Thankfully, though, Jones ignored these threats and continued his campaigning. Man. So far, no cult stuff. And actually, pretty much of all this, his actions are completely commendable up to this point, right? Well, yeah. I mean, he sounds like a really neat... Uh, But things are about to go downhill fast. Oh, shit. In 1961, (laughs) Jones gave a speech about the upcoming nuclear apocalypse. Well, that's not that weird. It's it's the the 60s, I guess. Okay. Well, yeah. Uh, but Jones was not without hope for this nuclear holocaust. Oh, good. Uh, he had recently read in a magazine that the safest place to be during one of these nuclear holocausts would be in the rural town of Belo Horizonte, Brazil. Huh. That's an interesting <laughs> it's pretty termination. Specific. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Jones and his family packed up, left his temple congregation behind, and moved to Brazil. Really? Yeah. Wow. Uh, just him and his family. Uh, huh. Here, Jones studied the local economy and also how the natives reacted to his message of Christian socialism. And how did they react, James? Uh, there was trouble. The trouble. little rural village. <laughs> <laughs> the little rural village reacted pretty well to his messages, uh-huh. but was not wealthy enough for our communist friend. <laughs> what is it with them and being communist and needing lots of money? I, I don't know. <laughs> uh, they're not wealthy enough. I've got to go elsewhere. <laughs> uh, so Jones and his family moved to Rio de Janeiro and worked with the poor and Brazilian slums uh, before finally returning in 1963 to Indiana and his temple congregation. Big mistake. Never should have come back. Should have no. stayed in Brazil. <laughs> the slums of Brazil. Well, I'm not going to finish that. <laughs> no, no. But you guys know what he was going to say, right? right? Maybe. The slums of Brazil are heaven on earth. That is not what I was going to say. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> so, okay, he goes back to Indiana. He goes back to his church because he felt guilty that he had left them. Okay. Uh, and he gets there and preaches... 
basically that all of Indiana would be engulfed in nuclear war on July 15th, 1967. Oh, and yeah, that he was actually right about that because he Indiana was. is a nuclear wasteland. Yeah, it was <laughs> nuked on that date and there's nothing there now. Many of you don't remember, and even those of you who are in Indiana, you don't remember because you're irradiated. Yep. I'm sorry, it's true. Ghouls. Ghouls. <laughs> so he's he can't uh. stay in nuclear winter Indiana. Uh, no, so he moves his church to the Redwood Valley of California in order to begin a new Eden. And he called it a new Eden, didn't he? I think so, as <laughs> in the new Garden of Eden. That's super weird. Was everybody naked and, like, talking to snakes? Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> um, but probably naming animals. Well, I mean, if they were naked, they'd be talking to snakes anyway. Oh. 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 We're moving on. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in California, Jones slowly changed his messages from being grounded in Christianity to being just about communism. <laughs> oh, okay, so he threw Jesus out? Yeah, he once said, If you are born in capitalist America, racist America, fascist America, then you're born in sin. <laughs> But if you're born in socialism, you're not born in sin. <laughs> it's just that easy. Just be a socialist, everybody. And yeah, that's, will that's our motto you. here. Yes, yes. <laughs> he, he then kind of moved entirely away from Christianity and called the Bible a tool that oppressed women and non-whites. Um, which? Which? Did, well, uh, moving on. <laughs> he denounced Christianity's sky god. They have a sky god? That is so badass. I know. Well, not to Jones, but... Wow. <laughs> he also called Christianity a flyaway religion. Yeah, because, you know, the white people are all flying around. White fly. Oh, yeah, I guess. I guess wow. Right away. Full circle. <laughs> That's uh, where my the song comes from. I'll, I'll fly away, oh, glory. I'm going to stop. Wow. Okay. No, uh, <laughs> my personal favorite, uh, he claims that he was the reincarnation of Gandhi, <laughs> Jesus, oh, Christ. Buddha, and Lenin. <laughs> oh my, that's a lot of people to a be. A lot of people. And, and Lenin. Um, hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah, well who knows? Jesus and Lenin basically the same person. And right. Buddha and Gandhi, same person too. <laughs> uh, he said to his congregation at about this time, "If you see me as your friend, I'll be your friend. As you see me as your father, I'll be your father." If you see me as your savior, I'll be your savior. Whoa, now. If you see me as your god, I'll be your god. Oh, shit. <laughs> it's gonna be God. Oh. Uh, and oddly enough, his message quickly gains popularity in California. <laughs> oh, well, that uh, no doesn't surprise, surprise me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, his church opened up branches in San Fernando, San Francisco, and L.A. He also gained support from many political leaders. Wow. Walter Mondale, who would later be President Carter's vice president, praised Jones' work and the temple. That's weird. Jones also was on close terms with Jimmy Carter's wife, Rosalind Carter. So my thing is, I'm certain they were praising the strictly social justice aspects of the temple. I, I'm assuming that's what uh, okay. it was. Not, not the he's your god kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, because this whole time he and his church are doing, you know, good deeds all around California. They're yeah. still doing good things, just, well... It's they also have a god man. <laughs> uh, yeah. There's trouble in paradise. Yeah. So Jones was giving up hope of converting the United States to a Marxist utopia. Never give up! <laughs> I guess. <laughs> he tried to get the USSR and China to allow him and his church to immigrate there, but was refused. 
Wow. He was particularly upset that the, that the Soviet Union denied him passage because he claimed he could have been an excellent chief dairyman for the Soviet what? government. Wait, what the fuck is a dairyman? Is it what I think it is? I don't know. It's not a joke. He actually said this. Okay, wait, 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 wait. I gotta Google. Okay, dairy chief dairyman. I am, I am assuming it's a person who milks cows, right? Uh... I was yeah, kind of assuming... It's a man who is employed in a dairy or sells dairy products. Chief Dame. Oh. So he's chief of the dairymen. <laughs> the master of, of dairymen. <laughs> uh, so, not chief dairyman. Okay. No, and, and things only get worse for our not-so-chief of the dairymen. <laughs> uh, there's trouble in California. In 1973, Jones was arrested and charged for soliciting a man for sex in a movie theater. Oh. Remember that homosexuality is still illegal in California at oh. this point in time. Oh, dang it, California. Get on board. <laughs> yeah, come on. Uh, they'd be the first state to legalize it a few years later, but um, it's 1973. Okay. <laughs> uh, Jones fervently denied the claims and claimed that he was, and I quote, the only true heterosexual. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Uh, it means that there are two of me out there somewhere. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. There can only be one. <laughs> We're going to have a battle royale with Jim Jones about which of us is actually the true heterosexual. <laughs> uh, well, things only got worse for him. Uh, there were claims by former Temple members that uh, seemed to support the opposite, that he was the only true heterosexual. Oh, uh, Jones always maintained that he never engaged engaged in homosexual relations. Oh, okay. Except oh, in case, <laughs> except in there. Except in cases where men of his congregation well, needed to have sex with him no. in order to connect with his message symbolically. No, that's a terrible reason to have sex with somebody. Wow. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> wow. And how does that help? Honestly, how does that help? Well, I could think of a few ways. No, let's not. Let's not dive into that area. <laughs> you know what I'm thinking, audience. <laughs> uh, okay. no, no, they don't. Uh, at the same time, allegations began to spring up about Jones uh, physically, emotionally, and sexually taking advantage of both men and women in uh, his congregation. Well, that's just kind of what you do when you're a cult leader. I guess I mean, so. If uh, Joseph Smith does any, anything. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> we'll get to that at a different time. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so, uh... No surprise, Jones is beginning to lose a lot of support in America, and thus he moved his church to the country of Guyana in South America. Ah. Just got up and left with his whole congregation. <laughs> moved to the he big and guy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he and his people formed a colony here. Not a rabbit colony, but oh. like you're built... Wow, you're kind of doing the same thing that he's doing. <laughs> Except, Except mine's bodies. not in Guyana. <laughs> True. It's in Brazil. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Uh, anyway, he and his congregation formed a colony that he aptly named Jonestown, mm. where he aimed to create a socialist paradise away from public scrutiny. What? Mm. He claimed that, I believe we're the purest communists there are. <laughs> ah, that's good. Pure communism. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> And keeping to the communist rules, he did not permit anybody to leave. Oh, well, that's good. Right? Uh, you can never leave communist utopia. Well, why would you want to? It's a utopia. It's basically Disneyland, but everybody, there are no lines, and all the rides suck. Oh. Wait, there are a lot of lines. Yeah, I was gonna say. <laughs> I was kind of thinking instead of lines, oh, fuck it. Oh, that's interesting. Jim Jones, man. Whew. Yeah, cool guy. And now he's Horrible guy. <laughs> cool guy in Guyana. Wow. <laughs> he's the cool guy on it. No, I, uh, I need a new partner. All right, go shoot me. Uh, no, don't shoot me. <laughs>
gonna take a quick break, everybody, oh, and we're gonna go cool off because we're literally sitting here drenched in sweat. Yeah, there's um, a pool underneath me. Yeah, and it's disgusting. Yeah, it's really, really gross. It's starting to reach my toes, so I have to start lifting my feet up. So, oh, that's too much information. Yep, too we're much. gonna take a break. We're gonna take a break, everybody. When we come back, we'll be talking about David Koresh's adult life. Uh, and get this, it's actually weirder than Jim Jones. And he doesn't do good things like Jim Jones, so just hang in there. I wonder... My heart is aching... Uh, and we are back to We Talk About Dead People, and it is still really, really hot in here. <laughs> uh, but this... We, I shouldn't say we, we took separate showers. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, in the uh, in the uh, cattle barn. Uh, <laughs> prayed each other down with a hose. Um, not as homoerotic as it sounds. It's well, let's let's move on. Spiritually freeing. <laughs> Uh, so let's uh, let's talk about David Koresh's adult life, shall we? Yes. Okay. So. <laughs> In Waco, oh God! Oh, that's it, how you start. That's how you start this. Yep. In Waco, when we left David Koresh, he was moving to Waco, and now he is there in that godforsaken wasteland. Uh, but it's here that he joins the Branch Davidians. Yeah. So, uh, might as well talk about them a little bit. Okay. To give listeners and uh, and myself a little context. Um, the Branch Davidians are a religious group originating from another Protestant church known as the Davidian Seventh-day Adventists, which is an offshoot of regular-ass Seventh-day Adventism. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, but the Davidians uh, followed, they followed the same fundamentalist beliefs as the Seventh-day Adventists. Oh. Are you okay there? <laughs> Sorry. Uh, it's the heat. I'm getting a heat stroke. That's true. Uh, so yeah, they followed the uh, fundamentalist beliefs of the Seventh-day Adventists, except their views diverged when it came to interpretations about symbolic prophecy. Okay. Yeah, so there are actually five main points of difference laid out in Davidian doctrine, and here they are. And really really quick. <laughs> yes. Davidian. Are we talking about King David Davidian? Yes. Is that what this... Okay. Very much King David Davidian. Cool. And we'll get to that later on. Uh, when we explain why David Koresh is not actually named David Koresh. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. <laughs> so, uh, number one, as far as these differences goes. Number one, the Davidians believed that the Seventh-day Adventists had started slacking off and were no longer righteous enough to call themselves Adventists. Uh, um, <laughs> does anyone think that the Seventh-day Adventists have been slacking off? <laughs> They're the least slacky people. <laughs> oh, never use that word again. Slacky. <laughs> but they're, they're so fundamental. How Wow. Okay. Wow. Yep. A little bit of context. It's a little bit like the FLDS, the Fundamentalist Church of the Latter-day Saints, where, uh, you know, they were basically like, you guys went away from the polygamous teachings of Joseph Smith, and since he's, you know, the best person, we have to follow everything he does. So wow. we're going to start our own little sect called the FLDS. Uh, but anyway, enough about the FLDS. I love talking about Mormons. Don't get me started on Mormons. <laughs> uh, you guys really should check out the Naked Mormonism podcast um, if you want to learn some history. It's fascinating. Um, the oh. whole church has just this amazing story uh, of how it started. And um, But anyway, yeah. Uh, so the second point of doctrine that the Davidians uh, differed from the regular Seventh-day Adventists in is the Davidians believed that they were among the 144,000 saved in Revelation. Of course they did. Yes, and this was largely trumpeted through a book called The Shepherd's Rod. <laughs> <laughs> Lloyd's Knob, The Shepherd's Rod. Oh, it's like dick joke after gosh. dick joke. My day mm. is so good right now. Anyway, so the Shepherd's Rod was written by the founder of the Davidian sect, Victor Hudef. 
Who tough? Who tough? Who tough? Who's tough? Victor. Uh, oh. Victor who tough? Uh, but anyway, so in this book, he called the Davidians Christian Jews who had simply lost their racial identity over time. Crit- Hmm. Yep, it's a thing. Okay. <laughs> number, <laughs> Moving on. Uh, number three, angels are going to kill all the unbelievers. Good, uh, number good. four, Jesus is coming and he's going to judge everyone and it's going to happen like right now. Oh. Uh, and five, the Middle East is where it's all going to happen. And regular Adventists don't believe this. They're not sure where Wait, it's all going to happen. Wait, they don't? No, well, I don't think so. That's. The, I mean, it's a point of Davidian doctrine. That oh, wow. They say it's all going to happen in the Middle East. Um, huh. But you can see that this is a little bit culty sounding. Yeah, little uh, bit. But remember, <laughs> this is still not the group known as the Branch Davidians. This is just regular old Davidians. Uh, but after oh. Victor Hutuf, the guy who first called himself a Davidian, was disavowed from the Seventh Day Adventist Church for basically writing his own doctrines, uh, he did the unthinkable. No. The unspeakable. Wait. No. He moved to Waco, Texas. Oh my God. Oh no. The poor guy. What got into his brain that would make him want to go there? <sighs> Sorry, Wiccans. I really just not a fan. <laughs> uh, but things went on as they do in cults. Uh, and Waco, Texas is just a cesspool of cults. You should go visit sometime. It's it's awesome. Really? Yeah, it's really awesome, actually. Oh, wow. They have a, uh, they have a uh, Masonic temple there, and it's one oh. of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. Um, but I had a friend in college who went in and, um, they, they wanted to visit and you're not allowed to visit unless you're a member. So they, I guess, kind of broke in. Okay. Uh, and they stole a pair of sacred gloves. <laughs> sacred gloves? They have sacred gloves. Yeah. What? So they took them and I'm like, I'm like in their apartment. They're like, look at these. And there's like these white gloves. I'm like, what the fuck are those things? And they're like, they're Masonic gloves. And I'm like, oh, great. Let's do the dishes. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, but anyway, Victor Hutif died in 1955. Okay. And at this point, those loyal to Hutif remained where they were and still called themselves Davidians. But trouble was brewing. Hmm. Florence, Hutif's wife, became the prophetess of the church and proclaimed that the Lord was coming back in 1959. Score uh, one for the prophetess. Yeah, score one for, because he did come back in 1959. You're all just unbelievers who did. didn't go. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, the actually, that didn't happen because the good Lord made a terrible mistake because Ooh. his chosen LZ was Waco, Texas. Yeah, that can't be the Lord. Yeah, so realizing his mistake, the good Lord decided not to come back at all. Uh, he created something akin to the Great Disappointment by doing so. And the Great Disappointment was... That's a, a real thing? Yeah, it's an oh. event in Seventh-day Adventist history. They used to be called Millerites, I think. Um, and then the Millerites all believed that the world was going to end in the 1800s. And they went to some big field, sold all their stuff, and they waited for <laughs> the Lord to come back. And as the sun rose, people started crying because he hadn't come back. And oh, the wow. leader of the Millerites was like, yeah, you're not, you're not, you know, you're not faithful enough. So the Millerites and the Seventh-day Adventists split. Uh, hmm. And that's where the Seventh-day Adventists come from. Okay. Um, but now, there was a guy named Benjamin Roden who was not happy about this... Uh, this prophecy at all because you know god had backed out or whatever yeah um so he formed a new sect of the davidians called the branch davidians because they had branched off yeah yeah but no actually oh the word (laughs) the word branch comes from a bible verse Uh, zechariah 3 8 to be exact so if you'll please turn with me in your bibles to zechariah 3 8 let us read the word of the lord sure Hear now, O Joshua, the high priest thou, and thy fellows that sit before thee, for they are men wondered at. For behold, I will bring forth my servant, the branch. You sounded a lot like Lord History just now. Ah, come on. Aaron. Come on. Are you... are you Lord History? (laughs) James, don't be silly. It's not silly. You sounded just like him. You know too much! (laughs) 
This is where Koresh comes in. He arrives on the scene in the midst of a power struggle between the Branch Davidian prophetess and her own son, George, regarding who is going to inherit power after the Branch Davidian founder, Benjamin, died. Now, Koresh is the man, so he immediately begins banging the prophetess. What? Who's in what? her 60s. What? <laughs> oh, wow. And okay. George is not a fan. <laughs> right, that's his mom. Uh, yeah, right. But uh, nonetheless, everyone else in the community really likes Koresh. So when the prophetess announces that Koresh is next in line for power, everyone except for George is happy. I wonder why she announced that. Yeah, wonder why she did it. You know, he's, <laughs> he's in power. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, uh, so, so what does George do? Uh, so George comes up with a plan to put Koresh to the test. I hate you, and I want to die. Yes. <laughs> so he gets a shovel, uh, and he digs up a corpse. <laughs> what? <laughs> challenges Koresh to bring it to life. Oh, well, I mean, that's a pretty good challenge, I guess. Yeah, and Koresh actually does something sane at this point and just says, I'm calling the cops. <laughs> uh, okay, good. But the cops actually refused to move on it because he produced no evidence. Hmm. Um, but Koresh, damn it, was going to get his evidence. Good. So he loads up five 223s, what? <laughs> 222s, what? and two 12-gauge shotguns with about 400 rounds of ammunition. 400 rounds? Yeah, and he gets seven of the men from his congregation to oh, go no. and raid this little... Uh, not. It's not the co- compound quite yet. It's just like uh, a it's church? Just, it's kind of like a ranch. Okay. Let's put it that way. Um now, a little context. George is insane, and oh. he knows that Koresh is coming. Uh, quote, It's basically a holy jihad, Khomeini versus Israel. That's what Vernon Howell has with me. Now, Vernon Howell is David Koresh's real name. Wow. Whoa. Okay. Why he changed it, we'll find out later. Uh, mm. But anyway, wow. George <laughs> is armed. Right. <laughs> uh, there's a video of him giving a tour of his little ranch using an M1 rifle as a pointer. Oh, dear God. Yeah, so shit's about to go down is what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, Koresh and his heavily armed men are dressed in camouflage. Okay. They stealthily enter the compound to gather their evidence. And in the following trial, spoiler alert, they claimed they wanted to get a photo of such evidence, but they didn't bring a camera. Mm. <laughs> so, uh, but they brought plenty of guns. Right. <laughs> uh, anyway, the camo doesn't work. <laughs> they get spotted okay. and George makes a run for it. Huh. Uh, and Koresh and his men had scoped out the area in advance. Um, and they've made notes about possible hiding spots, good cover in case a gunfight whoa, broke out. Whoa, 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 wait. So they made these plans in advance. They knew all the possible hiding places. Mm-hmm. They knew where the good cover was. Mm-hmm. But they got caught? Yes. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I'm on board. Uh, but anyway, so uh, it came in handy because they figured out uh, you know good places to, to take up position and whatnot. But right. uh, George was behind a tree and <laughs> opens fire with an Uzi. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. So in the following gunfight, George is shot in the chest and in the hand and flees the property. Hmm. Yeah, so it must not have been that bad a wound, right? Um, I was waiting for him to be shot in both hands, the feet and the side. <laughs> Good old stigmata by bullets. <laughs> um, so the cops interviewed, uh, interviewed, interviewed, <laughs> intervened at this point uh, and arrest Kresh and his men. Good. Yeah. So they all got off scot-free uh, what? for, for what? some reason. And the cops even gave all their guns back. What? Texas. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so George is gone. That's kind of the bottom line here. Right. Um, and a little bit about him. Two years later in Odessa, he kills his roommate with an axe. Oh. Uh, claiming that his victim was an assassin hired by Koresh. Wow. Um, he's <laughs> found not guilty by reason of insanity, so he goes to an asylum for this act. Where he escapes twice and twice tries to immigrate to Israel. Yeah. Claiming oh. to be Jewish and on the run from trained <laughs> hitmen. Uh, he gets recaptured both times and eventually dies of a heart attack in the asylum. Oh. So, 
Wow. Yep. <laughs> so anticlimactic. Yeah, I, we should almost do a whole podcast about him. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, but anyway, while George is dealing with his shit, Koresh has taken power. Ah. Uh, and he finds a meth lab in George's quarters, and he asks the police to remove it. Hmm. Um, okay. And at this point, he legally changes his name to what we all know him as. Now, the name David Koresh comes from the Bible. Predictable. That is predictable. <laughs> uh, Koresh is Hebrew for Cyrus, who was a powerful king. And David comes from King David, who was also a powerful king and also the namesake of the Davidians. Right? Ah, right. Uh, so Koresh reportedly made the change because he now believed himself to be the head of the House of Israel, which is ridiculous because I'm the head of the House of Israel, damn it. Wait, you're? Yes. <laughs> wow, <Well> before me. <laughs> I would follow you. Yes, yes. Follow me to Waco. I'll take you to the promised land. I won't follow you to Waco. It is the new Zion, James. <laughs> we leave tomorrow. <laughs> oh. um, but anyway, so Koresh is now armed with a much more divine name, and he does what all cult leaders seem to do, and you guessed it. Ooh, he no, proclaims no. a prophecy of spiritual wifery. Uh, of course. Meaning that he's giving himself license to be a polygamist and a child molester. Yep. Oh, God. His rationale for this was that it was time to create a new lineage of world rulers. And this is where the allegations of child abuse start popping up. Yeah, no surprise there. And also where Koresh pops up on the ATF's radar. The ATF's radar. Yeah. I don't know what that is. The ATF is the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms. And what that Hmm. has to do with child abuse, I'm not sure. Um, But uh, anyway. Combine those three things and... (laughs) Yep, there you go. I guess, yeah. There you go. Uh, anyone who drinks, smokes, or has a firearm is a child molester. Wow, you heard it here first. <laughs> <big allegation. laughs> uh, Koresh, despite what a lot of people think, didn't think of himself uh, as the second coming of Jesus Christ yet. Yet. Uh, rather, and this is kind of funny, he more closely <laughs> identified with the Lamb in Revelation 5, 2 through 7. Okay. Please turn with me in your Bibles to Revelation. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book, and to loose the seals thereof? And no man in heaven, nor in earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. And I wept much, because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not. Behold, the Lion of Judah, the Root of David, hath prevailed to open the book, and to loose the seven seals thereof. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne, and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, (laughs) which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the so he's he's not just a lamb. He's a seven-horned and seven-eyed lamb. That's correct. Uh, and David closely identifies with this seven-horned, seven-eyed lamb. So David, again, thought of himself less like Jesus Christ and more as a dead lamb who could open books real good. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> now that I now that I think is where the confusion comes in. Okay. Uh, while Koresh was interpreting the lamb as a person who actually showed the way for Jesus, most of us, I think, on reading that verse would interpret the lamb as Jesus. Right, the actually, lamb of God. Actually, I'm certain that's who the lamb is supposed <laughs> yeah. to be. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, while he claims he's not calling himself Jesus, I think he's really calling himself Jesus. Yeah, yeah. makes sense. <laughs> anyway, so Koresh then married a 13-year-old girl. No. Yep. 
Her parents, under the influence of Koresh's claims of divinity, consent for him to have sex with oh her. Oh my god! Yeah, so this is when child protection services get involved. Finally! Yeah, and they find no evidence. Everyone's what? mum about the whole thing, because they don't want the child taken away. Oh my god. Uh, they don't mm. trust the government, all that kind of stuff. Right. Um, and also they believe that Koresh is in the right, so that's great. Okay. Uh, later on, uh, victims of Koresh's abuse came forward and claimed that Koresh molested them at ages as young as ten. Wow. Yeah. Uh, he was also abusive toward his own oh. children. He beat them mercilessly with not only his own hands, but nearby, nearby implements like sticks. Hmm. Uh, he also beat kids that weren't his own, so oh, there's that. And allegedly he beat babies until they bled. Yeah. Wow. So Holy this is where Attorney General Janet Reno decided enough was enough. Uh, even though these claims were supported by fairly weak evidence, um, judicially speaking. Right. Well, you know what? We, we've gone over a few horrible people in the past. I mean, vampires yeah. and president killers. and <laughs> Yeah. I am cheering for this guy's death yes. more than anyone else we've yep. covered so far. We're ready for him to die. Yep. yep. Uh, but here's where things get kind of tricky. Okay. Um, Janet Reno has been accused of exaggerating these stories. <sighs> uh, and it's also clear that she had no legal jurisdiction to move in the ATF. Uh, because, you know, it's the Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms Bureau or whatever. Okay. Uh, she couldn't move in on grounds of child protection. Officially, the, the ATF was carrying out the raid on the basis of weapons violations ah. on the part of the church. Uh, but the press surrounding the event made it clear that these weapons violations were not the main motivation for the raid. Damn it, press. Uh, I know. <laughs> and here we will stop with Koresh and move back over to little Jimmy Jones. And oh, good. When we come back, we'll be still in Waco, but no. there's a siege, oh. and it'll be the end of the line for Mr. Koresh. Will it be the end of the line for Waco? Ah, uh, sadly, no. Damn it. <laughs> And we are back to We Talk About Dead People. And when we left off, we were leaving Little Koresh in Little Waco, the little town full of little people. <laughs> oh, I'm really mean. You <laughs> are. Waco. I'm sure there are some nice people in Waco who... Nope. Oh. <laughs> Not one. Wow. Uh, anyway, so let's uh, jump back over to Jim Jones and see how he dies. All right. So back in the communist, semi-religious, South American utopian settlement of Jonestown... Jim Jones began preaching about what he called translation. Oh, so like translation, like uh, Joseph Smith translating the uh, golden plates by staring through a rock into a hat or something like that? Uh, well, other than the planet thing, uh, no. Oh. Uh, translation oh. was the act of the entire community dying together and then being transported to another planet where they could live together. Wait, so you mean like not like the planet thing is and everyone gets their own planet. They all have to go to their shitty little communist planet. Is that what you're yeah, saying? Yeah, well, they're all together. Ah. Uh, I guess. Ah, now that's communism. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, uh, anyway, Jones was quickly losing support back in the States. Not a surprise. Yep. And in 1977, relatives of the Temple's members began the Concerned Relatives Organization. <laughs> Good name. Aptly named. <laughs> yeah. uh, this group collected grievances and allegations against Jones and presented their findings to Congress. Good for them. Yeah. Uh, one congressman, Democrat Leo Ryan of California, was particularly concerned about the findings. Wait, a congressman was concerned about something? What? Crazy! He cared about people? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so what did he do? Uh, well, <laughs> he wrote a letter to the Prime Minister of Guyana warning him about Jones. Well, that's... What? He does more. Oh, good, good. Yes, uh... 
<laughs> Market. <laughs> Jones responded to these growing allegations by hiring conspiracy theorists to make a case that all of this was a grand conspiracy by the FBI to frame him. You can hire conspiracy theorists? I didn't know that, but I'm so glad I do now. Oh, uh, well, you might have a job in the future. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Did it work? Uh, it did not really work. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> in 1978, Congressman Ryan formed a team to go to Jonestown to investigate. Ah, uh, yeah, Team Ryan! Woo! <laughs> <laughs> uh, the group included Ryan himself, an NBC camera crew, newspaper reporters, and several family members of various cultists. Now that's a dream team, if I ever heard of one. I, I agree. Uh, on November 15th, 1978, the team arrived at Jonestown and was warmly welcomed by Jones. Huh. Yeah. Surprising. Uh, however, a few days later, on November 18th, Ryan's team hurriedly left as one of the cult members tried to stab Ryan with a knife. What? <laughs> okay. Uh, That's yeah. not so warm a welcome. Uh, things changed, I guess. <laughs> mm, that's a cold goodbye. Well, I mean, Ryan's team left Jonestown and they met no opposition from Jones. He let them leave. And wow. with them, uh, 15 of the cultists also left. So they wanted to get out of there. Yeah, I wonder how many of them decided to go after they realized that somebody just tried to stab a congressman. You know? <laughs> right. Uh, I have nothing to do with this. I'm getting out of here. <laughs> um, uh, however, things go downhill even more. Oh, no. Upon arriving at the local airstrip, Ryan's group began to board two planes. Wow. While boarding, Jones' armed red guard arrived on a tractor pulling a trailer and began to open fire on the team. <laughs> so they show up on a tractor? Yeah, exactly. Is it a tractor trailer, like a semi-truck, or...? I have no idea. <laughs> I want to believe I want to believe it's like an old-timey farm tractor. John Deere. <laughs> and the guy driving is just some farmer with a straw hat, you know, <laughs> piece of straw sticking out of his and mouth. And all these Russian-armed guards yeah. on the back of the tractor with <laughs> PPSHs. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so they show up. They And they begin to shoot at... Ryan and his team. Wow. Uh, in addition, one of the cultists who had left with Ryan's group also pulled out a gun and started shooting at the people on the plane. Oh, so an insider. An insider. Uh, now, uh, scummy. Congressman Ryan and four other people are killed by the gunfire. Oh. Uh, thankfully, though, the rest of the team managed to escape. Oh, poor Ryan. He yeah, was, I mean, he, he was trying. I want to know more about Ryan. That yeah. seems like a guy who actually cared. Thank you, Congressman Ryan, yep, for trying. Thank you. Yeah, really. Matters. Uh, <laughs> things still go downhill, though. Oh, God. Later that day, Jones decided that he would lose what political support he had after his attack would be publicized. Right, you kill the congressman. Yeah. Uh, so he organized the mass translation oh, of his shit. congregation. The mass shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. I know what that means. Uh-huh. Uh, cyanide was put into grape-flavored Flavorade uh. and distributed to his people. Couldn't even use Gatorade, had to use Flavorade. Yeah, where are the electrolytes, man? Yeah, no electrolytes in Flavorade. Uh. No Gators in Flavorade. <laughs> uh. Uh, but on a serious note, Reportedly, children were given the drink first, and families Christ. were told to lie down together. Jesus. Tapes recovered by the FBI record this event, and Jones is caught saying such things as, Men will parachute in here on us. They'll shoot some of our innocent babies, and they'll torture our children. Oh, fuck. They'll torture some of our people here. They'll torture our seniors. Wow. So we're just going to save them the trouble. And uh, yeah. And okay. slowly die from cyanide as well. Translate ourselves. Ugh, um, God. He maintained that they were committing revolutionary suicide. That is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. I mean, that I, is the yeah. stupidest thing I've ever heard. Uh, and as people were dying, Jones ordered, Stop these hysterics. This is not the way for people who are socialists or communists to die. Oh, God. No way for us to die. We must die with some dignity. Uh, and also, 
We didn't commit suicide. We committed an act of revolutionary suicide, <sighs> protesting the conditions of an inhumane world. There it is again, that revolutionary suicide. Yes. And Ugh. it did some damage. Uh, 909 Jesus people drank the poison. Christ. And they died. Wow. And 304 of these were children. Ah. Uh. Now, get this. Jones, being the good shepherd of his people, didn't drink the poison. Uh, what? No. He, uh, he was found sitting on a deck chair overlooking the bodies with a self-inflicted gunshot wound to his head. Oh, yeah. So he saw them all writhing on the ground, dying in agony. And Fucking he was like, coward. Yeah, he was like, I'm not going to do that. No, sir. Give me a gun. Yep. Yeah. Well, Did he bring the cyanide with him? I mean, do people just have cyanide laying around in Guyana? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, well, that was depressing. It was depressing. Let's get on to the more depressing end here. Actually, it's not more depressing. 909 de- people. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. Uh, no more. Stay away from cults. Yeah. <laughs> don't don't join cults, people. They're bad for your health. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so David Koresh's end and death. Back in Waco, a place to which no one should ever go, Koresh and his followers are dug in waiting for a war. Whoa, okay. Yeah, so there's been a lot of press surrounding the compound at this point, and he's aware that someone is coming. The ATF has opened several inquiries about uh, Koresh's followers and the weapons dealers providing uh, the Branch Davidians with arms, and the ATF also claimed, strangely enough, that Koresh was operating a meth lab, hmm. even though he had called in George's meth lab years before. So that's a little fishy. Yeah, that is. Um... Because if, you know, free meth lab, if you're going to make meth, you know, why would you call it in? I don't know. What are you going to do? <laughs> True. Mm. Yeah. Local <laughs> newspapers reported that the ATF was planning a raid on February 22nd. So this kind of pissed off the ATF because now Koresh was sure <laughs> to know that something was coming and exactly when. <laughs> so the newspapers were just like, hey, this is when it's going to happen. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I think the newspapers were on Koresh's side. <laughs> oh, jeez. Uh, classic Waco. <laughs> uh, so the ATF char- uh, changed the date of the raid as right. a result of this report, but it didn't help because, you know, they already know they're coming. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and Koresh, at this time, approaches an agent who has infiltrated the compound by posing as a Branch Davidian and tells him to his face that his cover has been blown and he knows the raid is coming. I would have shit my pants. <laughs> Holy he also crap. told this agent that he would be willing to talk with the ATF to try to de-escalate the situation. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So, good, right? <laughs> so the agent leaves and uh, yeah. Koresh orders the men in the group to arm themselves and take up defensive positions. Okay. Right. So that's when the ATF charges in. Charges in. Yes. They just charge in. They got, you know, flak jackets and shields and machine guns and everything. Okay. Um, but there are conflicting reports about how it all went down. Hmm. So the ATF claims that they were fired upon first by the Branch Davidians, and hmm. the Branch Davidians claim that the ATF fired their sh- their guns first. Oh, uh, right? classic Greedo uh, and Han Solo. Yeah, I know. So either way, shit hits the fan, uh, and there's this huge exchange of gunfire. Hmm. Um, David Koresh quickly takes a bullet through the wrist, but it's not terribly serious. Okay. Um, at this point, one of the Branch Davidians called the police, <laughs> uh, <laughs> begging them to stop the shooting. Um, there's a quote. He's, that's them shooting. That's not us. Oh. Confusion. Yeah, confusion. But somehow ATF agents are getting shot at and things like that. So either right. way, there's a gunfight going on. Uh, an ATF ad- agent got blasted at this point hmm. um, and was wounded And while others moved in uh, on the west side of the building. National Guard helicopters are buzzing over the compound as a distraction. What? The Branch Davidians open fire, and the helicopters are forced to land. This is just a clusterfuck. I know. Uh, Who planned this? Yeah, the, the helicopters aren't even, like, firing anything. They're just... They're buzz- just there for distraction. They're just buzzing the building, yeah. 
Um, on the east side of the building, ATF agents clamber up onto the roof and enter Koresh's, well, to attempt to enter oh, Koresh's, no. I think, bedroom window. Um, and bullets just sprayed out, killing one of the agents immediately and wounding oh, wow. another. I know, so it's already becoming a bloodbath. Yeah. Um, another agent gets shot through the head in an attempted raid on the arms room. Huh. That was another point of entry, I think. Um, and a Branch Davidian is killed, while two more ATF agents are wounded. Holy um, cow. In this room, yeah. And so the ATF decides, okay, it's time to get the fuck out of here. Uh, so they shoot another Branch Davidian with covering fire. Uh, and this guy who killed this Branch Davidian then makes a run for it, hits his head on a wooden support beam, and falls off the roof. <laughs> <laughs> what? Uh, so he survives, but his soldierly ATF ego does not. Were these ATF guys actually trained? <laughs> or were they just like a militia? Because this sounds... I, come I, on, I ATF. don't know. I mean, the the raid was... Com- I, you know, it got, went down in history as pretty much just completely botched don't right. do a raid this way um but the fight goes on for two hours holy cow and during two hours we lose two more atf agents oh, wow. uh, and the atf decides to withdraw because they run out of bullets <laughs> yeah <laughs> ah, that's a prepared. lot of shooting going on <laughs> oh wow um but in all uh four atf agents were killed wow. and 16 were wounded holy shit five branch davidians were killed and two of them were shot by the branch davidians themselves wow wait on accident i think for cowardice Oh. Um, or something wow, like they're that. They're not uh, um, joking around. It might have also been suicide, but mm. we're not shot. Uh, we're not shot. Oh, God. We're not, not sure. <laughs> uh, in the afternoon, a Branch Davidian was killed by a sniper outside the compound as he was returning home from work. So he was just coming home and then yeah, pow. Got his lunchbox, they just shoot his ass. I mean, oh. yeah, it's pretty sad because he wasn't even involved in the earlier incident. Oh, like, that uh, <laughs> The ATF finally has a sniper, so yeah. some my, tactics. My question is, how did he breach the perimeter? <laughs> like, I just dri- drives <laughs> That's up. a good point. Yeah, honey, I'm home. What are all these cops doing here? <laughs> Bam! Uh, but anyway, so they kill this guy for really no good reason. Um, but at this point, the FBI decides to take command of the raid away from the ATF because they have completely destroyed any <laughs> semblance yeah. of an operation. Um their first move is to attempt to establish comms between themselves and the Branch Davidians, right? Yes. Yeah. Good. Um, but good. no. No, they didn't. What? Uh, Koresh was already speaking on the phone with news groups and wouldn't stop, so the FBI cut comms altogether to get him to shut up. Hmm. Uh, um, hmm. Yeah. So, uh, Koresh told the FBI, not sure how, that he'd be willing to surrender if they played a recorded sermon of his on national radio. Oh. <laughs> And they did, right? Whoa, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> but Koresh uh, then said that God had told him to wait inside the building. Yep. Yeah, he wasn't <laughs> expecting the FBI to actually do that. Yeah, they were like, oh shit, they actually did it. Uh, <laughs> Should have picked a better sermon. Uh, the negotiators did manage to win the release of 19 children, though. Oh, finally. And these children were interviewed and told the police that they had been physically and sexually abused during their time in the compound. Uh. I know. It's a. It's a. It's a garbage dump of human evil, you know. Wow. But anyway, so this new revolution incited the FBI to launch tear gas attacks on the compound to force out the Davidians. Okay. Uh, and during all of this, Koresh is making video and audio tapes about what's going on in the siege. You can listen to them. Oh. Um, hmm. He also made a video in which he introduced everyone in the compound, showing that no one was being held hostage and everyone wanted to be there, right? <laughs> uh, so Koresh oh. was also working on some theological documents and claimed that he wanted to finish them before surrendering. That could take years. And you could do that in prison, Koresh. I mean, let's be honest here. Well, and it took <laughs> hundreds of years for the New Testament to be de- decided on. I mean... Well, I mean, this is Jesus Christ himself. Remember? Oh, right. Yeah. Um, uh, well, I'm mistaken. No, I'm sorry. The Lamb of God, not Jesus. Oh. <laughs> so uh, the FBI was divided. Um, many of them wanted to use force, and others wanted to continue waiting um, and carrying out negotiations. Um, but this didn't stop them 
from attempting to keep all the Davidians awake by blasting the sounds of rabbits being killed mm-hmm. over loudspeakers what? outside the compound. Uh, oh, hold on. Yeah. So they're blasting the sounds of rabbits. Yes. Being killed. Yes. What does that sound like? Uh, it sounds like a mismanaged rabbit colony to me. Mm. I'll just tell you that. Mm. Yeah. But what does a rabbit sound like? Is that what you're asking? No, I know what a rabbit sounds like. A, a rabbit dying. Oh, a rabbit dying? It's the most awful squeaking noise ever. It's awful. Uh, yeah. uh. If you pick up a baby rabbit, and I know this because we have baby rabbits and they're so cute. <laughs> if you pick up a baby rabbit, they sometimes get a little scared, so they let out a little shriek. Oh. And it's like, it's hilarious. I don't know. You so they're do... blasting this on loudspeakers. Yeah, so they're blasting this on loudspeakers. It's just an awful Have you no sound. pity? <laughs> I know, right? It, that's it's considered That's a, cruel and unusual punishment. It is considered torture to deprive people of sleep. Right. Um, but I don't know. Um maybe it's maybe it's not like maybe it's not against the law. I don't know. Well, but, I mean, there are children in here that are being Yeah, abused. it's a little unethical with the children. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so on site, there were nine Bradley fighting vehicles, which are essentially tanks with smaller guns, oh. and five M28s, or M728s, sorry, uh, also kind of like tanks. Hmm. Um, these tanks were used to crush every car in the lot <laughs> uh, to damage morale. Uh, uh, they also yeah. used them to destroy any kind of perimeter protection, so uh, they could just literally drive up to the building. Um, and they literally drove over the grave of a Branch Davidian to incite anger. Yep. Uh, hmm. Low blow there. Sounds ill-advised. Yeah, yeah. low blow. Um, there were people who didn't want that to happen, but they still did it. Um, at this point, the FBI cuts off the water and power supply. That's probably what they should have done first. And the Branch <laughs> Davidians then had to live off rainwater and MREs. Well, they are and prepared. Conditions started to worsen, so Koresh ordered 11 people to leave the compound. Uh, and I don't know how he picked them, but I'm sure he chose the least sexy 11 there. <laughs> um, and it's at this point that David Goresh finally did claim to be Jesus Christ. Uh, the FBI was concerned oh, okay. at this point that the Branch Davidians might commit mass suicide, just like Jimmy's people. Yeah, I wonder where they got that idea. Yeah, really. <laughs> uh, Janet Reno, the newly appointed U.S. General, then recommended to the president, uh, who was President Clinton at the time, hmm. uh, that the FBI be allowed to raid the compound. And Clinton Clinton (laughs) countered this by suggesting less violent tactics, saying that negotiations should not be closed and that someone should appear in person to talk with the Branch Davidians, which sounds like a pretty good idea. So he was more along the lines of... We should not have violent relations yeah. with the Davidians. <laughs> oh my god. Yes, he didn't want to have violent relations. Um, he wanted to have in-person relations with them. Okay. Um, but, uh, you know, I think that sounds like a pretty good idea. I mean, it yeah. doesn't sound like the Branch Davidians really want to f- shoot people right now. Yeah. Um, but, you know, again, I think I would still be a little bit scared. So. They've still got kids. Yeah. Um, but Reno was not happy with this. She rebuffed Clinton and said that the FBI was, quote, tired of waiting hmm. and that the abuse was still going on inside the compound, that the longer they waited, the worse things would get for the kids. And that's also not a bad argument. So, no, no. Um, Clinton told Reno that if she thought this was the right thing to do, she could go ahead. Hmm. That's when the final assault took place in April. The definitely not tanks blasted through the walls and pumped in tear gas. FBI agents fired tear gas rounds from grenade launchers through the windows. The super not tanks also fired gas rounds at a range. The whole building was just filled with tear <laughs> gas. And it went on for six hours. Holy cow. Wasn't working. <laughs> yeah, but uh, suddenly three fires broke out at various points in the building. Okay. Uh, no one knows exactly how the fire started, but most seem to think the Davidians did it. Hmm. Um, there are audio tapes that seem to point to David Koresh telling people to pour gasoline on things. Um, okay. But Interesting. But there's still, you know, it's, it's, it's tricky. Um, 
But many of the Davidians died of smoke inhalation and suffocation. Others uh, were buried in rubble. And the FBI also discovered that many of the members had been shot to death. Wow. So probably suicide. Um, Yeah. Anyway, so uh, Koresh himself seems to have been shot in the face by his top aide, uh, who then shot himself. And thus ends Jesus Christ. I gotta say, he deserved it. Yep, he kind of deserved it. And, you know, it's it's a, it's a bit of a sad story, but uh, hey, we're at the end of it. Koresh is dead, so is Jim. And uh, we have to get air conditioning Yeah, we've got to go cool oh off, dude. God. It's fucking hot. Ugh. And um, we got to go get after Pickles. Why does Pickles stay down here? It's too hot for me. He doesn't notice. He's high all the time. Oh, well, that's true. Ugh. Okay, well, shall we head on up to the surface? Oh, uh, let's do it. Okay. Well, everyone, we hope you enjoyed the show. If you did and would like to help support what we do and also help us keep the lights on, please find us on Patreon and throw us a few bucks. That's www.patreon.com slash we talk about dead people. Even a dollar, exactly as much as a snow cone costs, helps tremendously. Thank you to our current patrons and all our listeners as well. Without you, we have nothing. We actually have nothing anyway. Speak for yourself, James. I have a job. Get a job, James. Mm. I'm trying, but it's hard to find a job relevant to my field. Uh, what's your field? History. <laughs> Speaking of history, feel free to send all your hate mail to we talk about dead people at gmail.com. We will read all of it and nod along. <laughs> if you hate us, you're probably right. <laughs> and with that all being said, we'll bring our show to a close and let David Koresh play you out. See the sun rising showing forth the light of the day see the moon she's sinking down Waco, Texas Good show, Lord History. You are most brilliant, sir. Yes, indeed, Sherwood. Yes, indeed. Years have I longed for the warm and loving embrace of this city. At last, here I will begin my campaign against those two fools and their podcast. Onward to victory, sir. We talk about dead people. Ha! We'll have some dead people to talk about very soon now. Very, very soon.